This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Welcome to everyone online. Uh, yeah, I have been going to LifeGate for about 15 years. Ended up realising that when I had to prepare for this talk. It's been a long time, but it's been a real blessing. Uh, Especially with Nathan, this guy will support you and give you hope at every journey you have with Christ. Thanks, mate. Look, if you don't know me, I'm married to Annette over here. I've got three kids, Emma, James and Annabelle, and they grew up in the church as well. But uh, Nathan came to me and said, we're preaching on hope all year. There's a topic around hope. It's a theme. Would you like to talk? And, and uh, since that time, I've spent, I've spent a lot of time talking with the Lord and asking him, what did he want to talk about? You know, what's the story he's been giving me in my life and how can I share some of that with you guys? And um, what came to mind was this hierarchy of hope. Like we can put our hopes in so many things and there's sort of a hierarchy. There's the best hope and then there's false hopes and all sorts of hopes. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. And I found myself uh, nearly two years ago pretty stressed out and I needed a break and I needed fresh hope and I needed to refresh myself. Now, who here gets refreshment when you sort of go out in the bush or go into nature and do a long walk? Okay. Who here finds that exercise is good for you? Okay. Yeah. So if you're stressed out, you've got too many like emails, calls, stresses in life, you know, all that stuff. Uh, what's another thing that helps? Oh, who's done a digital detox where you just leave your phone and you don't, you don't touch your phone for a day? or an, it, That helps. Another one I think that helps me is getting out in sunlight, you know, just the sun. Who Okay. So all of those things, you know, help uh, de-stress you, especially if you've been through a heavy period of stress where you haven't had a break and you, it's kind of traumatic. So I thought I'm going to combine all of them and instead of a day, I'm going to do a 234-kilometre walk by myself because I'm going to be outdoors, getting sun, getting exercise... I'm going to be able to read the Bible and pray all day because it's just me and, and obviously there's no, well there is in a couple of places, but 90% of it, there's no mobile reception. So, so nothing. So I'm like, this is, this is what I need, this is going to be great. So I took off and uh, walked about, you know, 10, <laughs> 10 to 30 k's a day. The photo on the left me at the start, kicking off, that's... 11 days later at the end. So, so I'm not, I'm not going to take you through like a whole series of slides like your, your grandparents would after they get back from a trip. But one of, one of the things you grow to appreciate out there is these little, uh, they're called trailheads. And there's some shelter. They've even got a little solar-powered USB charger in there because everyone loves their GPS. Uh, and there's a water tank you can see. And these are usually every 10, 12 kilometres, maybe 15 kilometres. And they're really great because you need them. 
you know, you kind of hope the water's in the tank and, you, you know, you hope everything's cool there. So I would really look forward to that. You know, and, th and this is one stage of the walk where it's called Count's Point and you get up there and it's, it's an epic view, but after you finish taking in the view, you start thinking about where you've got to walk next. And because I knew the map where I was going, you actually end up leaving that mountain, walking down, and you walk right along that valley. But the thing is, I knew that as soon as I left that point, there would be no water for about 28 kilometres. Because they, you know, this is the longest part with no water. So then immediately, you know, it was, it was kind of good out there because you don't stress about the daily things of life and you begin focusing on much more simple things like food, water and shelter. And at this point, I'm like, I, I started to get very uh, focused on my water. You know, so I had these expandable water bladders and I'd, you know, I'd probably only needed eight litres, but I loaded up with 12 you know, I put the cap on, but then I checked the cap was tight. Because like, there is no chance, I don't want this leaking, I don't, like, it can't, I can't run out of water. And uh, there was a guy, a psychologist in the 1940s, who uh, created this hypothesis that's used a lot today around the hierarchy of needs. His name was Maslow. And the, the philosophy here is that as you meet the needs on the bottom you pursue the next thing up. Now you can call, I call it the hierarchy of hope because if you don't have food, water and shelter you start to hope you're going to get some soon. Um, but as, as you walk, work your way up and you have food, water, shelter, then, then you have a need and you hope to be safe and free from you know, getting attacked and abused. Or, and then if you get that need met, socialisation and then you have respect and admiration and it says right up the top after you've done all those four it's he called it self-actualization which means purpose you know that purpose side of your life this you know the spiritual side and you can see in society in the human nature we sort of do operate like this there is a part of you that you know this would resonate with so yeah like i said it's the hierarchy of hope now, there's all sorts of versions of this because of the internet and people love making memes, right? So there's the COVID edition. <laughs> you know, so that, that's pretty cool. Uh, there's, you know, if you're into coffee, there's like espressos at the top and, you know, you've got just caffeine will do. Like, I don't even care. Like, you know, <laughs> works its way up. You know, and then, of course, there's the millennial version. Well, the millennial version's got Wi-Fi and battery life. Because <laughs> you don't just look after your life, you've got to look after your battery life of your phone. <laughs> and, no, but I, I love millennials, you know, really. The, one thing I love about millennials is they're, they're so self-aware and they're so vulnerable. You know, like, you know, the other day, one of them said to me, like, I'm really suffering from anxiety. And I just think it's great how they can acknowledge that and talk to you like that. So I started saying, well, what are you doing, you know? You're like, you're exercising, how are you, how are you managing that? And they're like, oh, no, no, I'm just telling you so you can work around it. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Love you there, Christy. So. 
So, <laughs> no, it wasn't Christy, I'll make it. <laughs> but she is a millennial. It's a broad... <laughs> now, as usual, Jesus comes along and totally flips this upside down in one sentence, <laughs> uh, one verse. You know, and that's in Matthew 6.33. So he says, no, 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 you don't do all this stuff and then seek purpose of your life and seek me and spiritually. You, you, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things shall be added to you. So it's a complete flip that Jesus does. Now before he said that in Matthew 6, he said a, he said a few other things and I really think it's worth reading it out and, and dwelling on it. So I'll read it to you guys. So he said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a, a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his splendour, was, like was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, uh, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So, you know, Jesus just gone and flipped it around. And when I was thinking about all this stuff, this image came to me like, oh, hope's like a rope. Now that might be because I've got a passion for pursuing alliteration or it could be... Or it could be that hope is like a rope. You know, everyone's holding on to something and if you're in a tough spot, you want to you have something where you can pull yourself out of it, something to hang on to. But like I said, there's all sorts of hopes. We can have hope that your healthy diet and exercise plan is going to keep you free from disease and healthy. There's nothing wrong with that hope. Uh, you can have hope that by regularly catching up with friends, looking after them, serving them, that they're going to look after you. And so, you know, there's nothing wrong with those sort of hopes. But what is, what is the best hope? Now, you might have heard this, uh, this uh, phrase. You might have even said it yourself. And this is a sign that you're not hanging on to the right rope. Because <laughs> you'll say, I'm at the end of my rope. You know, parents sometimes say that when... It's been a full day of kids running around and you get to the end of your rope. And there's a famous quote out there from an American ex-president uh, that, that says, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and just hang on. And it kind of appeals to that human nature to go, just get tougher, double down, stop whinging, you're not at the end of your rope, tie a knot in it. But, but I, I'm not, I don't think that's the right approach and I want to tell you why. Uh, now, to tell you why, I'm going to read quite a long passage 
Uh, so I encourage you guys to open this up. If uh, Go to 2 Kings 6.25. We actually probably start at uh, 24. And I just want to read this story because I found this to be amazing around truly at the end of your rope when, when all hope is lost, when times are so tough that it would be so hard to trust and hold on to Jesus' and God's rope. So let, I'll, I'll read it out to you, but follow along. Sometime later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mobilised his entire army and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. So Syrian army has surrounded the capital of Israel at that time, Samaria, and they've laid siege to the city, totally blocking it off. Nothing can get in there. And that's what they've done. So there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cab of seed pods for five shekels. Now, just to bring some uh, context to that, 80 shekels is around 800, 900 grams, so about a kilo. So a head of a donkey sold for... A, you'd have to have a kilo of silver to buy a donkey's head to feed yourself. Uh, now, today's... A kilo of silver today is worth about a 1,000 bucks. So, you know... Dave makes some really good slow-cooked beef brisket and ribeye, but it's not, it's not a thousand bucks. So that's, that's how bad things were. Um, so as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried to him, help me, Lord, the king. Now the king replied, if the Lord does not help you, where can I get help for you? From the threshing floor, from the wine press? Then he asked her, what's the matter? She answered, this woman said to me, give up your son so we may eat him today and tomorrow we'll eat my son. So this is, this is the kind of desperate times and the level of uh, struggle. So we cooked my son and we ate him. The next day I said to her, give up your son so we may eat him. But she had hidden him. When the king heard the woman's words, he tore his robes. He went along the wall. The people looked and they saw that under his robes he had sackcloth on his body. He said, May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, uh, severely if the head of Elisha, son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. So... You know, kind of the king's acknowledging God's God and only God can help you. But Elisha was God's prophet and, and previously the king trusts and listens to Elisha but I think he's at, he's, he's at the end of his rope with Elisha. He goes, I've seen enough. A woman has just sacrificed her own son. Cannibalism's now going on. That's it. I'm sick of waiting. I've given up hope. So... Now Elisha was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him. The king sent a messenger ahead, but before he arrived, Elisha said to the elders, Don't you see how this murderer is sending someone to cut off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door, hold it shut against him. 
Is not the sound of his master's footsteps behind him? While he was still talking to them, the messenger came down to him. The king said, This disaster is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Elisha replied, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a sahar of the finest flour will sell for a shekel and two sahars of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So Elisha's not given up hope and he's proclaiming that whilst a donkey's head's going for a thousand bucks today, a sahar's about five and a half kilos of flour. I happen to bake sourdough bread. But <laughs> that'll make you at least 12 loaves of bread. And it's about, you know, a shekel's about a dollar. So he's like, tomorrow, mate, you will have 12 loaves for a dollar. <laughs> but today, it sounds ridiculous, the contrast. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heavens, could this happen? You will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha, but you will not eat any of it, because that guy doubted the Lord, lost his faith. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans, the Syrians and surrender. If they spare us, we will live, but if they kill us, we'll die. So they had sort of lost hope. They're like, we might as well take the risk and maybe they'll spare us. At least they have some food over there. So as dot, at dusk they got up and they went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk. And they abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was and they ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and they entered one of the tents and they ate and they drank. And you can sort of see them crawling around. They're probably like, what's going on here? But they start to get a bit more bold and then they started, they took the silver they left. They left gold. They got grabbed that. They're grabbing clothes. And then they went off and they hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and they hid that also. But then they said to each other, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, we went into Aramean camp. No one was there, not a sound of anyone. Only tethered horses and donkeys. The tents were left just as they were. The gatekeepers shouted the news and it was reported within the palace. The king got up in the night and said to his officers, I will tell you what the Arameans have done to us. They know we're starving, so they've left the camp to hide in the countryside, thinking surely they'll come out. And when they come out, 
you know, we'll take them alive and get into the city. So the king's kind of got this hope, hope, hope nothing's wrong here. He's got a bit of fear around this. So one of his officers answered, have some of the men take five of the horses that are left in the city. Their plight will be like that of all the Israelites left here. Yes, they will only be like these Israelites who are doomed. So let us send them to find out what happened. So they selected two chariots with their horses and the king sent them after the Aramean army. He commanded the drivers, go find out what's happened. They followed them as far as the Jordan and they found the whole road was strewn with clothing and equipment that the Arameans had, had thrown away in their headlong flight. Now, I don't, I don't know what the Lord did to these people, but they just left, they hot-tailed it out of there. The whole road's full of stuff. So the messengers returned and reported to the king. Then the people went out and they plundered the camp of the Arameans. So it's Sahar of the finest flour sold for a shekel. Two Sahars of barley. They would have left tents of food. Just as the Lord has says. Now the king had put the officer on whose arm he leaned in charge of the gate and the people trampled him in the gateway. So you can imagine how the joy and the whole city is just running out of this gate. So just like Elisha said, the guy who doubted it, um, as it happened, the man of the God said to the king about this time tomorrow, oh sorry, I'm missing my spot here. Yeah, you will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. And that is exactly what happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gateway and he died. It's a pretty amazing story. So this is this quote I was talking about here where, you know, the world says when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hang on. And it sounds good, but it's actually really bad because this preacher said actually you should let go of that there's no safer place to be than in God's hands and uh, that's what Elisha really models there so we can have lots of hopes but the lowest in the hierarchy of hope is fear disguised as hope and that kind of sounds like this and and you, you know we've all said this to ourselves at times you just don't it's not a rope you want to hang on to that long I hope I don't have to do something, you know. Uh, I hope I don't lose my job, my health, whatever it is you don't want to lose. I hope things don't get... I hope my health doesn't fail. I hope my relationships isn't finished. There's loads of these stuff, right? So whenever you think that, it's good, good to just think, you know, what, what is that rope that I'm holding on to and what is it anchored to? You know, is it the Lord's rope? Is it anchored in Jesus and who he is? Or is it not? Because I think low-level hope expects disaster but hopes to avoid it. Uh, godly hope expects deliverance and hopes to receive it. And that's the hope that God offers us, deliverance from sin, deliverance of eternal life, deliverance into your purpose, freedom, freedom from bondage, freedom from sin, freedom from pain. It doesn't say you won't have struggles, but it it offers deliverance and promises that. That's God's hope. 
And the reason why I know God doesn't operate on the fear thing is, you know, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then these things will be added to you. Fear is always around loss, fear of loss. There's a few other verses worth looking at. Abraham, you could do a whole sermon on Abraham. Against all hope, he's 80, 90 years old or whatever, and, and his wife, he never lost hope of the promise gave, God gave him and the purpose of his life. He was told, you, you know, your, your children will be more numerous than the stars. And he, he held on to that hope. So what is the highest of hopes? What is that best anchor point? You kind of got the answer in one of the songs today, I think we were singing about being anchored. Philippians 4.19 My God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God my saviour and my hope is in you all day long. And here's, here's a really great symbol of how strong the anchor is of, of the hope that God offers us, his rope that he lays out. Hebrews 6, 18 to 19. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Now, for those who have studied the Old Testament, you know full well what's being referred to there. For those who don't, quick story, you know, the high priest would have to be cleansed and sort of free from sin by way of sacrifices of innocent animals and the innocent animal's blood cleanses that person and God would dwell with the people in, in that sanctuary and that's where God would be present with the people. Now Jesus, through his blood, his sacrifice, his innocence, he's paid that price once and for all so that when that hope is we are one with God, you know, where it's paid once and for all. It's a firm anchor, it's secure. That's, that's the hope. Now, Jesus doesn't talk. I wish he did, it would have helped my sermon, but he, he doesn't talk about a rope, but he does talk about being yoked, so which is kind of like a rope. And a yoke, as you guys probably know, like they used to get two oxen, and, you know, they, they want to go separate ways, right? And that's an analogy for God. Hope is here. Our nature wants to go over there, just like two animals would go apart. So Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. So you could replace yoke with rope. If you hang on to God's rope and tie it around you, he's going to lead you. He's gentle. It's not going to... It's a great, great analogy there. And if I was going to do another message on hope, it would be on this. It would be about giving hope. 
because one of the thoughts I was uh, going back and forth on with the Lord and reading was what's the difference between hope and faith? And there's many things, but one thing that stuck out is everyone here could give someone hope, but you can't give someone faith. You know, faith is something they need to choose for themselves. They need to make a commitment to lay down their life, lay down their ropes, grab hold of the Lord's rope. But you can give someone hope. And if you were going to give them the highest of hopes, how would you do that? You would share your story. Share your story of how the Lord's blessed you and how you found hope in him. So for for those of you watching online, thanks for joining today. I'm going to put up a few points and a few things to pray about. And and then I wish you a great week. Now this first point is the Lord is first in the hierarchy of hopes, not the other way around. Always seek him no matter what. Hope in Jesus to expect and receive deliverance. So let go of fear and false hopes. Let go of those ropes that you've had around you. Maybe they're strangling you. You can let go, you can find freedom from that today. And share your story to give hope to others, to inspire them to grab onto Jesus' rope. So I'm going to have some prayer, a few reasons to come up and pray. Come up and pray if maybe for the first time you want to grab hold of Jesus' rope. You want to say sorry for holding on to other ones and you want to let go of your own rope. Maybe you want to seek fresh hope from the Lord. Let go of those fears. Maybe you want to pray for some other people that you know in your life, they need their hope restored. Maybe you want to pray for the courage to share your story so that you can give someone else help, hope. So thanks online. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. 